When one must walk with death, what time is valid for life? Freud advises us that all things without life existed previously to all things with life. The end of all life is death. An all-powerful queen who preceded us and will remain long after we are gone. Did death mark us before we existed? Will she remember us after we are gone? In other words, did the nothingness that preceded us, the same nothingness that will survive us, only become a conscious entity in nature and not in its own nothingness, but rather as the result of our journey through life? Death awaits the bravest, the wealthiest, the loveliest. But the same is true for the meanest, the poorest, the ugliest. Not through the simple fact of dying, not even through human awareness of death, but rather because we all ignore death. We know that one day it will come, though we can never know what it is. We await it with varying degrees of acceptance, rage, sadness, bewilderment, remorse, with what the Mexican poet Javier Villaurrutia characterizes as nostalgia for death. We can assess and judge our lives, but we know that in the end the real prosecutor is death, and we know the verdict before it is handed down, the final inevitable companion, friend or enemy. Enemy, and when it robs us of a loved one, rival, how unfair, how wretched, how utterly hateful is the death that kills not us, but the one we love. Yet, death as enemy is the one death we can conquer. Occasionally, as I take my daily stroll through Brompton Cemetery in London, I walk past a vast space filled with white crosses. They contrast sharply with the elaborate designs of the majority of the tombs in that burial ground. They are the simple white crosses of the young men who died in World War I. I read their birth and death dates— and I'm always shocked, because I cannot find a single man who reached the age of thirty. The death of a young person is the very definition of injustice. Revolted by such utter cruelty, there are at least three things we can learn from it. The first is that when a young person dies, nothing can separate us from death any longer. The second is the understanding that some young people die to be loved more. And the third lesson is that the young person whom we love and lose to death is alive because the love that united us continues to live on in our lives. Are these mere consolations? Do they constitute a triumph over death? Or do they do the exact opposite, aggrandize its power? Death tells us, you're fooling yourself. What was no longer is, and we answer, we are fooling you. What was continues to be even more than it ever was. Death laughs at us, daring us to think not of the other person's death, but of our own disappearance from earth. Death challenges us to believe that the memory of those who survive us will be our only life after death. Whether or not that is true, we will never know. What we do know is that the guardians of our memory will also eventually disappear as well, with a false hope that there will always be some living witness to remember them.
death mocks us. After all, do we remember more than four or five generations back of our own dead? Do we have enough family lore, ancestral portraits, unforgettable events to save the immense legion of our ancestors from mortal oblivion? Are there not thirty ghosts behind every individual soul?'